Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of DIY Money, 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 Money. DIY Money. You're still here. I am still here. I got I got another round at it. Because you, you killed the last one. Well, we were talking to Ashley, and she was awesome, and I had my lobster socks on, feeling good. They, they invited me back for round two. Yeah, and you wore the same socks. I wore the exact same socks. They're good luck socks. Can't change them now. And we also filmed two podcasts. In the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but besides that. So yeah, where can people check us out? You can check us out across they all see the platforms. Yeah, if you want to see the lobster socks, definitely go on to our YouTube, but mm-hmm. you can check us out on all social medias. Like you mentioned in the last podcast, we have gone the same across the board, DIY Money Podcast. Yep. So that all together. It's a longer name, but you can now find us with the same name on every social channel that we're on. All I can say is it's about time. Absolutely. There's yeah. a few out there. We don't have seven different TikTok. names. We're just DIY Money Podcast. Yeah. So Instagram at DIY Money Podcast. Twitter at DIY Money Podcast. YouTube DIY slash Money Podcast. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just search no DIY ad. Money Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure how it works on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and you can find us on Facebook like the Facebook page DIY Money Podcast. So Absolutely. we are officially the DIY Money Podcast. We are. Finally, <laughs> after two years. Daniel, it's That's almost like swell. We have this is swell. That is a swell. We're we're repping the swell today. Accidentally, swell does not uh, sponsor the show. But if they'd like to, if anybody from swell is watching, yeah, we we love your. This bottles. is a swell show, and we would love to uh, take your money. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have a question today coming from Aaron, so we need to get right to it, dive into it. This is a really talking. good question. It is a great question. There's a lot of moving parts. I took notes, and you clearly did too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's hear it from Aaron. DIY! Hello, DIY Money. Uh, my name is Aaron from Evansville, Indiana. Um, I'm a huge fan of the show, also from Kentucky, so plus one for representing the bluegrass, and I appreciate all you guys do. Uh, got a couple questions. Um, so, can I give you my numbers? I am an accountant, I make 45500 a year. Uh, not a CPA yet, so that number will go up with time. Um, current living expenses are about 1200 a month. I have eight to nine months of living expenses in cash and uh, as my emergency fund. Um, other than that, I max out my Roth IRA every year and put 10% to my Roth 401k, 6% match. Um, my question is, with the remaining discretionary income that I have, uh, I'm not really sure what to do with it. It's not a whole lot, of course, because my income level, but uh, deciding if I should add to an HSA, uh, or invest in a taxable account. I do have a TD Ameritrade account, but have never funded it. Um, no big, no debt besides student loans. And only goal is maybe buy a house in Tampa, Florida within the next two to three years, maybe even five years, depending on um, how fast my income goes uh, getting through the last year of school plus the CPA exam. So uh, appreciate any feedback, um, any considerations, and I appreciate all you guys do again. Thanks. So that was a lot. That was a lot to tackle there. Yeah. We we took a, quite a few notes. So Evansville, but Bottle also Kentucky. from Kentucky, yeah. and that's kind of a, my story. I mean, I'm I'm from Southern Indiana, okay, across the river from Louisville, uh, in a little st- one stoplight town, Georgetown. 
anybody knows. Shout Not out. Georgetown, Kentucky. Not Georgetown, Kentucky. Georgetown, Indiana. Then came to school here in Lexington. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have been here since, basically. Had yeah. a little stint in Ohio there, but that was... we Ohio. Don't talk, we don't talk about Ohio very much. I, I guess I didn't understand with that. I mean, it sounds like there's this longer-term goal on the horizon, buying a house in Tampa. And I'm assuming that you want to move and live in Tampa. Mm-hmm. So this is just buying a house. But you said buy a house in Tampa, so now I'm not sure if this is like a second house. Like you, you're renting an apartment in Evansville. You love your job there. You're trying to rise to the ranks. And you're just going to do winters in Tampa yeah, doing accounting mm-hmm. remotely or something. I don't know. Outside of tax season, probably. Yeah. But if you're moving to Tampa to find a job uh, as a CPA, hopefully, once you pass all of your tests and everything, then... Um, and that's a whole other story. That's just saving for a house purchase. Location then is kind of irrelevant yeah. because your income should reflect about where you live in a normal market. Right. And uh, and that's just kind of saving for a, a massive goal on the horizon, which you said, what, two to five years? Yeah, two to five years. He sounded a little unsure. It could okay. be as early as two years, could be as, as late as five years. But wanted to get to Tampa at some point. Okay. There was a couple other things to digest in there. Yeah. Um, mentioned that there was no debt, but also some student loans. So there's some student loans in there, mm-hmm. um, maybe some costs for the CPA exam, stuff like that. And he has some margin in his account. So he's after his monthly budget, he has some margin that he has at the bottom line. And yep. he's kind of just wondering what he wants to do with it. And I like this eight to nine months emergency fund. Aaron probably, uh, I mean, we recently did a post on how to calculate, sort of cater the emergency fund months to you based yeah. upon your situation. So that's up on the blog, uh, doimoney.org. There's an article on the blog about how to really dial in and calculate your emergency fund amount of months for you. If I had to just take a random guess, based upon Aaron's stage of life, that's probably on the high side. Yeah. However, I actually like that because uh, as his income goes up in the future, and presumably maybe his expenses go up, Mm -hmm. uh, might have a significant other come into the picture at some point, maybe even kids, I don't know. Uh, Having that emergency fund set at that amount means that he's not going to have to work significantly harder to build it up as life gets bigger. So that I actually like. He, now he's just talking about where do I like where do I put the margin, the extra income that's coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, my opinions on HSA, we've talked about it multiple times on the show. I love an HSA. Uh, if you're going to use it for retirement, especially, it just mm-hmm. it acts as like a supercharged Roth. Yep. And so if you have the option to do it, that's great. The only reason I would maybe not do that in addition to a Roth 401k plus a Roth IRA uh, is the fact that there seems like there's big goals on the horizon. So there's buying a house in two to five years, which is a pretty short-term goal, mm-hmm. uh, all things considered. Anything under five years in financial planning is relatively short-term, meaning that uh, if something goes wrong, there's not a lot of time to unwind that. So that's why we don't invest in the stock market with that type of money, and really not even in uh, bond funds, uh, really, because those can even be volatile. So that's coming up on the horizon. I'm going to assume that you know, family changes at some point on the horizon, uh, whether that be spouse, kids, etc. cetera. Um, maybe not, but yeah, presuming that you're on the younger side, Aaron, uh, I would assume that that's a potential possibility uh, somewhere out there in the future. And so I would say that having those funds available in some type of taxable is not a bad idea. Um, just judging from everything we know. Mm-hmm. Again, can't give very specific recommendations, but... Looking at that with goals on the horizon, putting that into sort of some type of taxable savings is great. 
Now, there's a mention of a brokerage account, right? Yeah, he said he had a brokerage account set up. Okay. TD Ameritrade, I believe, um, but has not invested in it, hasn't mm-hmm. put anything to work in there yet. But And I want to want to stop and kind of dive into something you said there. Okay. You said if it was under five years mm-hmm. and they were looking for purchasing a house or something like that, yeah. that most of the time you wouldn't invest those funds. Can you can you speak on that just a little bit more? Yeah. So uh, the stock market is generally uh, a volatile vehicle, right? So um, average annual returns, you know, depending on how you're allocated on your stock side, historically um, over the long term are somewhere between eight and twelve percent. Again, mm-hmm. depending on what index you're utilizing, um, and so forth. Now, the volatility in order to get that is approximately, I'm going to throw out a number. It's It changes all the time because it's backward-looking, and it right. depends on if you look backward one year or five years or 10 years, et cetera. But I'm going to say that the S&P 500 um, volatility is typically 12 to 14%, I believe. Yeah. Does that sound about Yep, accurate? sounds about right. Um, the last couple of measures I looked at, I believe it was in that category. Uh, again, it changes because markets go through periods of kind of quieter mm-hmm. and uh, periods that are not so quiet. All right, we got a little bit of time, so we'll get into the math here. So 12 to 14% volatility, what that means, that's one standard deviation of volatility. That's okay. a long way of saying that roughly 67, 65 to 67% of the time, the average annual returns will not be that eight to twelve percent, mm-hmm. but it's going to be in any given year eight or twelve percent plus or minus, yeah, say fourteen percent. That means you could have a negative two percent year or a positive twenty six percent year. Yeah, my doing this math this is really year. quick. Yes, yeah. no, it's <laughs> good. It's good. Head. It's good. Uh, so roughly that. That's only sixty five to sixty seven percent of the time. One standard deviation from the average annual returns. Right. Okay. Going out two standard deviations gets you to your ninety five percent. Correct. So you get all the way out to 95%. So the difference between your one standard deviation and two standard deviations is where the rest of the returns lie, and that's another 14% mm-hmm. out. So what that's insinuating is it's very logically possible that the stock market could be down 15 or 20% in a given yep. year. And the time that it could take to recover from that could be different from what we saw last year, which was a couple months. Right. One month. Right. Almost. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this in 2021, so we're talking about 2020 pandemic, uh, where the market bounced back very quickly. Uh, when we went through, say, the housing crisis or the tech bubble or things like that, you saw uh, certain sectors especially take years yeah. to recover. So if you're saving for something like a house and you know you want that money in five years, investing in the stock market is not the best idea because you put the money in, you might experience great first-year returns and be feeling really good. Mm-hmm. But if that were to go down 20 30 40 50%, and, and then take four or five years to recover that. Yeah, that offsets your plans pretty significantly. So right. I personally wouldn't do that. I feel like I want to know that, that those funds are available and ready when I need it. So I would tend to put that in something safer. Now, uh, people differ on that. Sometimes people go, well, I don't really care if I buy a house in five years or 10 years. Mm-hmm. I would rather see a return on that. What would you do if you're coming up? Uh, you're a renter right now, too. So someday, right. presumably, you'll buy a house. Yeah. So, what would you do if it was five years away? So my outlook is, you know, approximately in that time, within the next five years, I mm-hmm. want to have a house purchase. And I kind of have a diversified approach. Mm-hmm. So I am about 50-50 on kind of what I'm doing, um, investing in 
S&P 500 with about half of the funds that I want to go for okay. a down payment and then just literally a savings account with the other half. So I'm kind of trying to balance it a little bit mm-hmm. to see if I get a little bit of a return because I'm okay with renting for now and I'm okay with, you know, if it's a little, takes a little bit longer to get into a own property. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of have a diversified approach, but once I get within two years, two to three years out, uh, that is going to go all saving. And so then you'll just know that it's there and available and ready for you. We did this kind of same thing when we were saving for a car once. We knew that it was two to three years out, but we knew that we could last longer if we wanted to. So we made uh, all of our other two cars uh, were paid off. Uh, we were going to replace one of them in two to three years. Uh, so we dollar cost averaged into a diversified portfolio. It was like a 70% stocks, 30% bond portfolio. Mm-hmm. Might have been 60, 40. Uh, that's irrelevant, but it was balanced. It wasn't just stocks, right? So we dollar cost averaged into that, made a basically a car payment into it every month. Mm-hmm. And then we got a little bit of appreciation, but there was actually a couple months within those couple of years where we were actually under what we had contributed to it. So we were actually underwater in that account. And so that's, that's why if you really needed it at a certain time, that may not be the most advantageous right. way to do it. It worked out for us. It doesn't always work out that way. And what we have seen in the past couple of years is a tremendous uptrend in the stock market that doesn't always take place right. in as sort of a nice fashion as it as it has. So uh, over the long run, stocks tend to appreciate, but over the short run, you can't you can't always bank on that. Yeah. So what else in his question? Did, did we miss anything? So HSAs they're great mm-hmm. if you want to plan for the long term. Uh, taxable accounts are great if you just have no other goals. But I guess for me, what's the goal? Yeah, and what's the appropriate savings? vehicle method allocation etc to get to that goal right i mean and i think like you said what is the goal what are your priorities is really what it comes down to aaron is what are you really looking for in the future what are you looking for in the next five years what are you looking for in the next 10 years are you planning on retiring early so you may need to want to build up those taxable savings something like that what is your goal what is your outlook and it doesn't have to be a one hit wonder you could go, hey, I want to have some taxable savings over here. And then also I want to make sure that I'm saving this amount of money for a house down payment um, into a savings account. Well, you know what they say, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If I can't eat my cake, I don't even want it. Yeah. And how flexible are those goals? Right. Exactly. If you can be plus or minus five years, then they're, they're very flexible. Right. If you're like, I will buy a house in May of 2026, then you really want the money there in January, February, March, April, 2026. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't do the backwards math that quickly in my head. I was pretty impressed. It was pretty good. You were you were going all over the place. You did all kinds of math. I know we went down a rabbit hole, but I want to say that it's all about your priorities. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about so many times, it's all about your goal. What is your mindset and what are you looking for? So let's wrap it up. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very, very long time. Maybe move to Seattle. I don't know. He's going to figure Don't move to Seattle. Don't move to Seattle. Tampa is where he wants to move. Ta- or ta- well, it was our God. last show that was Tampa. Seattle. Sorry. Tampa's sunny. Seattle's, Seattle's very beautifully <laughs> green and rainy. But thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. 
This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.